Shalom and welcome to Another Kingdom 101 teaching. My name is Hansen and I'm from Archippus Awakening. We are a ministry that's dedicated to the awakening of saints that we may know and fulfill our God-given kingdom assignments. And this is where Kingdom 101 comes in. It's a teaching where we revisit kingdom fundamentals. We want to know our King Jesus all over again. And we want to embrace the things of his kingdom that we may receive and move on our kingdom assignments. So thank you for joining me. We're going to read today's passage in Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 to 5. Say a quick prayer and jump right in. Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 to 5. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of the kingdom recorded for us in this Gospel of Matthew. Holy Spirit, will you teach us, show us, Lord, what it means to love Jesus and to live as he would have us live as kingdom people. And so guide us through this teaching, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to consider all the problems, all the challenges, you know, the relational issues that we have, I'm sure, all experienced at one time or another in churches, in ministries, when we are on assignment, serving with one another amongst Christians, believers, people of the kingdom. Now, I know you've got so many thoughts going through your head and I know the experiences are real and for some of us, it might be quite painful. Now, imagine, if you will, with me, a perfect church. I know what you're thinking. It seems impossible, is it not? We always say it's not perfect. We are not perfect. We've got to accept it. And I understand where you're coming from. But what if I told you it is actually very, very possible? And I kid you not. It is possible. Otherwise, why would the Lord you know, want us to learn and live as people of the kingdom together? Well, our passage, which we just read in Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 to 5, provides a very critical kingdom key. Seriously, I kid you not. If we would embrace and apply this kingdom truth and this kingdom key, all our relational issues in the body of Christ, I believe, will be resolved. I kid you not. Just stay with me. But first, let's review the overview of the Gospel of Matthew, which I call a Kingdom Manual. We have mentioned this many, many times in this entire expository journey of the book of Matthew. You know, Matthew is structured around five major discourses, what I call Kingdom Discourses, by Jesus as he teaches and he shares these Kingdom truths. And in between these five major discourses around it, there will be narratives that we have already explored and are learning from all these stories. The very first discourse, chapters 5 to 7, 
It's about kingdom ways. Remember the Sermon on the Mount? The Lord was teaching about the ways of the kingdom. How do we live in that correct manner? In Matthew chapter 10, it's about kingdom assignments. This is where the Lord sends his disciples out and teaches them, prepares them, warns them what it really means to be on kingdom assignments and what to expect. In Matthew chapter 13, kingdom parables. And in our own teaching in this Kingdom 101 series, I entitled that Kingdom Operating System. You know, how would the kingdom operate through these wisdom sayings of the parables of the kingdom? And then in Matthew chapter 18, we've come to a point where the Lord will then speak about the kingdom community, the people of the kingdom. In 23 to 25, uh, which we'll get to uh, in a while, it's about kingdom readiness. How can we be postured rightly and to be ready as people of the kingdom? So with this overview, you know, we are introduced once more, reminded that Matthew really is a kingdom manual. And as you go through kingdom ways, operating systems, you know, the challenges and the assignments, the Lord wants to constitute for himself a people of his own, a kingdom community. And we call that the ecclesia, the assembly, the gathering, the church. And the church really is about people, and with people, you have relationships, and once you have relationships, you know the challenges that we all face. We're getting into Matthew chapter 18 over this session as well as next few. So allow me just to give you a very, very quick overview. In Matthew 18, in verses 1 to 5, uh, there will be this topic or this discussion about repentance and regeneration. How do we become people of the kingdom? But it starts there, but it does not end there. In the next passage from verses 6 to 9, um, it's about sin and stumbling blocks, offenses, so on. And the Lord is reminding us about righteousness of the kingdom and how we are to exercise restraint. In verses 10 to 4, it's the parable of the lost sheep, and I refer to this as the rescue and recovery of people of the kingdom of God. In verses 15 to 20, the next section, it's about restoration or it's about rejection. Why? Because we must deal with um, the disputes within the relation, uh, relationship of the church as well as the discipline of the people of the kingdom. And finally, in verses 21 to 35, it's about repayment or release of debts. And the Lord was talking about forgiveness or more critically, unforgiveness parable of the unforgiving servant. So can you see in Matthew chapter 18, it's about relationships within the kingdom community, the church, the people of God. Now, if we can focus, learn, and practice these rightly, correctly, I believe the church would be a more pleasant experience and a place to be in. Am I right? I mean, think about this. You and I, we've gone through different experiences, and some have not been as positive as we would like them to be. But the Lord gives us keys. And I believe if we would heed the Holy Spirit and the words of Jesus, I kid you not, you know, it can be a much, much better experience for all of us. 
However, before you start to think of the people who might have hurt you or upset you or disappointed you, or if you want to say, Amen, yeah, you know, why can't, why can't the people uh, be better Christians or believers? Let's always apply the teaching to ourselves first. Think of yourself. I would think about myself. My own misalignments in these areas so that I can respond correctly and contribute to the solution as well as the key that the Lord is trying to teach us. I know this is more easily said than done. How can we really live like that? What's the key, per se? Matthew 18, 1 to 5, reveals a foundational key. And it's found in this one word, which we will explore throughout this whole teaching. It's called humility. A certain lowliness. Humility. If we would get this basic, fundamental, elementary point right, I believe that the rest will follow. And I kid you not, I challenge you to explore with me as we dive into this passage more deeply from this point. Number one, the question of greatness. Matthew 18 verse 1, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, at that time, when was this time? Well, let's look at the context, right? We've been journeying through the whole book of Matthew. And up until this point, we know Jesus has shared with them and predicted his suffering very soon as well as his impending death. Twice already in Matthew chapter 16 and then 17. And now we come to Matthew chapter 18. Now, immediately after these declarations and this announcement, the disciples then asked this one question, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? This is not an innocent question. This is not like a rhetorical one or, you know, Jesus, will you teach us about greatness in the kingdom? No, it was a dispute between the disciples amongst this group. Mark chapter 9 verse 33 tells us, when they had all come to Capernaum and he was in the house, he asked them, what was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? Luke chapter 9 verse 46, Then a dispute arose among them as to which of them would be the greatest. You see, this wasn't about, Jesus, can you teach us more about the kingdom? No, it was not that. They were fighting, they were arguing, they were competing amongst themselves. Now, can you blame them in a way? Jesus said, I'm going to go, I'm not going to be with you anymore. What would be in their minds almost automatically? Succession planning, right? I mean, after all, we are the disciples. If the master is going, one of us you know, has got to take the lead from this point on. So the disciples must have wondered amongst themselves. In Matthew 16, verses 17 to 19, Jesus just recently heaped high praise on Peter. Right? Well done, Peter. You gave me the right answer. You said, I'm the Christ. I'm the son of the living God. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. On this rock, I will build my church. Oh, mine. Is it going to be Peter? And then in Matthew chapter 17, Jesus brings his inner circle of three, Peter, James, and John, to a high mountain. Right? So from high praise to a high mountain. So is it now Peter or is it James or maybe it's John? But who knows? It could be any one of us, right? Who gets this high position next? Who's going to be the best? Who's the greatest? 
Let's ask this question first. Is it wrong? Is there anything wrong with aspiring to kingdom greatness? Do you remember in Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, Jesus said this, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not been one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So Jesus said, John the Baptist, great in the kingdom. He had a very special place. He was more than a prophet. He bridged both the Old Testament as well as the new things that would come in the time of Jesus and beyond. And like John, we as New Testament believers, and that includes the disciples, we have a special place in God's kingdom timeline. We are privileged also. We get to proclaim the coming of the Lord. In fact, we live in this generation that, who knows, the Lord might come in this time. We get to move in the spirit and the power of Elijah, just like John the Baptist, the forerunner. We get to prepare the way of the Lord as he did. We want to make ready a people for the Lord's coming. I mean, this is great news. We get to be great in the kingdom of God. We get to participate in the things of the kingdom through our kingdom assignments. In other words, my brother and my sister, just like John the Baptist, everyone, I'm invited, you are invited to kingdom greatness. And I believe the, the disciples caught that. In fact, Jesus even said, it is possible to be greater than John. Now, this might have tickled the ears of the disciples, right? This sounds really good. I mean, since we are invited to kingdom greatness, and even the one who is the very least, you know, shall be greater than John, the question is, is why be satisfied with being the least when we can be the greatest? I mean, after all, we've got to aim high. We've got to get to the top. We've got to be the best that we can be. Do you notice the ways of men here a little bit versus the ways of the kingdom? You notice that, that ambition can come out with good intention, but in a wrong way. See, friends, there's nothing wrong with aspiring to kingdom greatness. It just has to be done and achieved in the ways of the kingdom and not according to the ways of the world. And that's why Jesus had to explain what the least means. And you know Jesus, he's the best teacher, the best rabbi, the best master. He does this with an object lesson. And around them, there might have been a little boy, a little girl, I don't know, a group of children. And that was the perfect, perfect instrument, object lesson that Jesus would give to his disciples. So let's look at what the kingdom way to kingdom greatness is. Matthew chapter 18, verse 2. Then Jesus called a little child to him, this, this kid that's around them. He set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, little kids, that's what I want you to be, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Imagine the reaction of the disciples. I can just picture them right now looking at one another, looking at Jesus and then saying, you're kidding, right? I mean, you want us to be like this little kid? 
And Jesus looks at them and says, no, not at all. I kid you not. I mean, if you want to go high, you've got to stay low. If you want to be the greatest, you have to be the least. If you want to be exalted by God, you have to be humble yourself. Seriously. I kid you not. I, I, I mean the right thing down here because the ways of the kingdom would always be upside down to the ways of the world. Little child, little children. In a few verses, the Lord Jesus, our master, our king, uses this one, one phrase or one word, paideon, which means a baby, a very young child, a toddler, a kid to give his example and to help the disciples understand what he really was trying to teach them. In those days, children in a rural setting, in the condition of those times, there was a very high mortality rate. Um, they wouldn't survive very long. Uh, some would pass away very quickly. And so in the culture of that day, hence, um, there was less attachment to the children. Now, this would be very different from how we would respond today because we have this over-obsession and tendency to fuss over our children today to a point of being unhealthy, of spoiling the kids, uh, to be very child-centered in our families um, today. But children of those days... Uh, they didn't receive that much attention. They were powerless. In fact, they were considered weak, not as important. They had no status. And if any status, it would be a very and extremely low status, very lowly. And as children, babies, think about this, one year old, two years old, totally dependent, totally reliant on the world around them. They were looking for their parents to fend for them, to protect them, and adults, others, if they would even give them the time of day. And Jesus used this picture of a little child to make his point about kingdom greatness. They were lowly, simple, innocent, humble. It was not about status. It was definitely not about position. And this is the kind of kingdom character that is needed for all kingdom relationships. That we are to be lowly, simple, humble. We are not to be jostling uh, for status or for power or for position. See, this is the picture that Jesus wanted to present to his disciples and I believe also to us. Now, Jesus did not use little children to refer to childish behavior, to be spoiled, to be selfish, self-absorbed, or be to be rude in any way. No. In fact, it was totally ironic because the disciples behaved in this way. They were like little kids in a wrong way. They competed with one another. They vied for attention. Uh, they want to be the one that the light would be shining on. And Jesus wasn't talking about the childish behavior. He was referring to the lowliness, the humility, that, that no status of children of his day. And so from these verses, we can see three simple points that I want to share with you. And I hope it will help you assess yourself, even as I myself, had in preparing this teaching, I kept asking myself, Lord, where do I fare and how do I fare in this whole idea of being little kids, little children in the kingdom? 
Three key points I share. The first is about entering the kingdom. The second about excelling in the kingdom. That's greatness, right? And the third about embracing others in the kingdom. So let's start with this first point, this first lesson that we want to learn. About entering the kingdom. Jesus said to the disciples, Unless you are converted and you become like little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. This is really odd because all our lives we have been told to aim high, to be ambitious, to be masters of our own destiny, right? That we are to take charge, to be in control, uh, to get our way, in fact, to step on others on the way up. Jesus turns it upside down and that's why it surprised his disciples. He says, you want to understand the things of the kingdom? This is the way in first. You don't even talk about being great in the kingdom if you don't even first enter the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Two things you need to do. One, you've got to convert. Two, you've got to become now, this will be challenging for us as young adults or adults or of a certain age. You see, to convert means to turn. Turn away from, from, from something that we have been used to or are used to. And then we are to become, we are to change. Now, does this sound a little bit familiar to you? Because to convert, to turn, sounds almost like repentance. To turn away from the ways of this world to move in the ways of the king. And as if that was not enough, we can't just turn and, and live the way we want. We've got to change in our mindsets, change in our demeanor, change in our entire being. And that word become comes from a word where we can uh, translate into other words like to begin, to form, to come into existence. Almost we get the idea to be born again. We have to start afresh. We have to start anew. Jesus told Nicodemus, a well-learned leader and teacher in the religious order, John chapter 3, verse 3, I say to you, unless one is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You will miss the things of the kingdom. In verse 5, then he says, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You've got to be like a baby all over again. A little child, a kid, lowly, needy, helpless. Right? Babies, when they are conceived, fetuses in the womb, even before they enter the physical world as it were, through that birth canal uh, and to be a part of that family, they are helpless. They are at the mercy of the policies as well as the systems. Now, if you want to be born again, to come as a child into the things of the kingdom, humility is required. We have to become like little children, like little babies to enter this kingdom. Why? We've got to be made low. We've got to become low. We've got to realize that we cannot get in by our own merits. We cannot attain to this kingdom by our own righteousness. 
Do you realize that the righteousness of God is the high standard of the kingdom? And many are still trying to lift this high standard to qualify before they say, I am ready. But the Lord tells us and so many others that no, you can't reach this standard. That's why you've got to humble yourself. You've got to acknowledge that lowliness of position, that neediness, that helplessness to say, I need to be saved. I need to be born again. I need to believe and that's all I need. And for some people, this is the hardest thing to do because they think, I'm good enough. I'm too good for this. Only the silly people, you know, um, they are the ones who need a religion. They need a crutch of sorts. But Jesus is saying, and I'm appealing to you if you're listening to this, I kid you not, we need to become like little kids, little babies once more. As we did nothing to be birthed or to be born, we can do nothing to enter the kingdom of God by ourselves. Just an acknowledgement, a total reliance and dependence upon the God who can save. We can't save ourselves. We need to say, I'm humbling myself. I need you, Lord Jesus. We need your work upon the cross to save us. You died so that we can live and enter into this kingdom. Friends, if you're listening to this, to enter the kingdom, to be seated in high places with the king, we have to become low. And this goes against everything that the world stands for. That's why the Lord says this. Jesus says you need to convert and you need to change. In another way, we say we need to repent, to turn from the ways of this world, to change the way that we think, to change the words that we use, to change the way that we live. How is this done? By the Spirit of the King. When we humble ourselves and we say, Yes, Lord, I need you. I need to be saved. By faith, according to grace, the Holy Spirit is given to us to help us. Titus chapter 3, verse 4 says, When the kindness and the love of God, our Savior toward men, appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. How? Through the washing of regeneration. You see, the rebirth and the renewing of everything that we are of the Holy Spirit. You want to enter the kingdom of God? It requires a lowliness. It requires the Holy Spirit by that humility that we acknowledge. And we enter the kingdom of God as newborn babes, little children, little kids. But that's not all. It doesn't end there. It actually begins there. The problem is that many can come in low, but too many want to get up high, too fast and too soon. We forget that entering the kingdom, very much like salvation, is not just a point, but it is a process. If we came in with humility and lowliness like little children, then we must continue with humility and lowliness like little children until we eventually enter the kingdom of God. I beseech you to read this verse once more. The way Jesus says it, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven or of God. It's not just a point of salvation. He desires and He determines. He requires us all to remain low 
in our status and understanding so that we do not just enter the kingdom, but we can, number two, excel in the things of the kingdom. We do not just become low to enter, we remain low to excel. Matthew chapter 18, verse 4, Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself, humility continues. It is a defining trait of kingdom people. The way up is down. Listen to the teachings in Mount Makarios, which is a teaching about the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 all the way through to Matthew chapter 7. If you want to climb up the mountain of the kingdom, the greatness of kingdom, the highness of the kingdom, the way up, is down. To achieve highness in the kingdom, remain lowly in our heart and in our mind. I kid you not, right? We are royalty. We are royal priesthood, a holy nation, but we are not to be called your royal highness. We are to be understanding kingdom lowness that we can attain to kingdom greatness. In James chapter 4 verse 6, the apostle reminds us that the Lord gives more grace, as he says, quoting Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34, God resists the proud. Pride has no place in the kingdom of God, but God gives grace to the humble. And that's why he appeals to all in James chapter 4, verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. The Apostle Peter, the one who's heaped on high praise and got to see the transfiguration, the de facto leader of the disciples in time to come. He says this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, Therefore, humble yourselves. I think Peter really learned his lesson over and over again. The first one to speak, the one that would think that, you know, I, I, I think I'm, I'm the best, I'm the greatest, I'm the coolest. He learned it the hard way. And now he tells everyone, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the right time, in due time. You see, humility is a kingdom trait. It is not a new thought at all. If you want to excel in the things of the kingdom, I want you to remember that the kingdom of God didn't start just with Jesus in the New Testament. It started with God, with Jesus even before that. From the Old Testament, Jesus was continuing something that was already established in all of Scripture. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God, and I believe with your people also. Moses, the one that they revered and they lifted up, they forgot this one line in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. The one that the Lord chose and used to deliver Israel from the hand of Pharaoh, the humblest of all on the face of the earth. It's recorded that in early Judaism, they emphasized humility also in all dealings and in all relationships. 
Now, if you are not in a position of power or position or leadership, then humility must be expressed toward those who are in power, in authority, and in leadership. But conversely, those in authority, they themselves were to guard against arrogance and pride. So it's both ways. Whether you are having a position or not, or whether you are reporting to someone, humility is emphasized across the board. In fact, the rabbis would teach um, humility using the extreme examples. You know, they call it hyperbole to stretch it to such an extreme to make that lesson very, very clear. In fact, those who did not serve food or serve um, the right way to scholars or the teachers or the leaders, they, this would warrant death. You're able to kill someone if you did not um, serve correctly the leaders that were above you. Now, mind you, this is all hyperbole. You understand? You stretch it to the end. In other words, it's not meant to be followed through, but this is how important it is. Now, if you're a student or you're a disciple, and you are presumptuous. In other words, you make a decision, you take a decision in a legal form uh, in front of your teachers without consulting them. Now, in Chinese in Asia, we will say you don't give your leaders or your elders respect or you don't give them face. If you're a student and you do that, you are liable to be struck dead. Remember again, this is a hyperbolic example taken to the extreme to show you how serious they wanted this lesson of humility and lowliness to be lived out. Now, you know how it is, right? When you teach something like that, there can be a big, big problem. It can lead to, and it has led to, manipulation of followers and subjects in the name of, you need to be humble and you need to submit to me as your leader. And it's gone all kinds of crazy ways. And we don't have to look too far. Even in today's terms, we see spiritual manipulation, religious manipulation in not just Christianity, but also in many other leadership positions, cults, um, and religious orders. So you can see we can have a teaching and still live wrongly if we only hold to the letter of the law and miss the spirit of the law. Jesus himself spoke out against religious leaders about their pride as well as their hypocrisy. Right? The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the priests, they wanted pride of place. They wanted the best seats. They wanted to be invited to the, the biggest parties and always pushed to the front. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, verse 12, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. It's the same teaching over and over again. See, it's not just about entering into the kingdom of heaven, or just to be a Christian, or just to be a believer. The king wants us to excel to kingdom greatness. But the way to do it, I kid you not, is to become like little children, to be lowly, to be humble. Let me quickly list a few verses for you. And the way that the New Testament writers would remind also the church in those days to relate to one another as kingdom people. In our relational uh, interactions, we are told to be humble. 
Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Don't do anything out of selfish ambition, nor out of conceit or pride, but in lowliness of mind, esteem one another. Look out for one another. That's what the Bible says. As the elect of God, Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, we are to put on humility. Now, if you are a leader at any level, be humble. Jesus called the twelve to himself and he said, if you desire to be the first, then be the last. Be humble. Serve everyone. Have the heart of a servant and you will then lead well. But be humble. Now, if you're not a leader, when you relate to leaders or to your elders, be humble. It's the same thing. Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. You younger people, and this can apply to us older ones too. Maybe the younger ones, we tend to be more brash and more arrogant, more confident. You younger people, I know you know a lot. You're very wise. You've got so much information now. Submit yourself to your elders. And not only that, submit to one another. Be clothed with humility. And when you do that, Humble yourselves. God, in due time, you will be promoted. He will move you up because that's kingdom greatness. When you're moving on assignments, serving the Lord in ministries with one another, be humble. Just because we have assignments doesn't mean that we're better than anyone else. Be humble. Humility is not just reserved for people in the kingdom of God. When you're relating to all men, Titus chapter 3, verse 2. Be peaceable, be gentle, speak evil of no one. Show humility to all men, everyone, not just in the body, but to those who are also not yet people of the kingdom. Now, but what if they come against us and they persecute us or they say bad things about us? In dealing with opposition, whether from enemies or from those within the church, be humble. Be humble. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 25. In humility, correct those who are in opposition. You may be right. I may be right. But it gives us no right to be proud. We're not right because we are great or better than someone else. In humility, present your case. And Paul goes on to say, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. We are not here just to win an argument. We are here to win hearts for the kingdom of God. Be humble. Be humble. Be humble. Be as little children. Be innocent. Be lowly of heart and of mind. And not be proud in the way we deal with others and even amongst ourselves. And we are told also, in trying to be humble, you must guard against false humility. And this is so easy to get into without even realizing it. And Paul actually warns that be careful of your own religiosity, your own form of godliness, your own ideal of religiosity, um, attending church, going to a life group or cell group or fasting or praying more than others. Sometimes you give and create yourself this idea of false humility. Oh, I'm, I'm fasting, so I, I cannot eat. So oh, I'm so humble. You look like at this, you know. Oh, not me, not me. Uh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, we must pray. Uh, we must do this. 
And we don't realize this, but in trying to practice these things, we become proud that we are actually humble, or we also we think. I kid you not. It's so easy to fall into these traps. So if you want to excel in the things of the kingdom, if you want kingdom greatness, be humble. Be like little kids again, that we have no guile. You understand? And just be lowly and just enjoy one another and live the things of the kingdom. This is how we excel. Be low that we can get high in the things of the kingdom. But we have to ask this question now, how low should we go? How low can we go? Can I answer it in this way? Well, it depends how high you want to go in the things of the kingdom with the right attitude and with the right spirit. And here we can learn from no one but the best example of Jesus, our King. Paul tells the church in Philippi, let this mind, this attitude, this spirit be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5, all the way through to 11. You want to know how low you should go? You want to know how low you can go? You've got to look at the example of our King Jesus. How low did Jesus go? The lowest of the lowest. I kid you not. He who was in the form of God, equal to God, he was able, willing, obedient to give up everything, to come and be like one of us. And it says in scriptures, he humbled himself. He made himself low. He didn't have to, but he did that. How low should we go? Just like Jesus. How low did Jesus go? The lowest of the low. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Death of the cross. The lowest of the low. Reserved only for the worst of the worst. And Jesus went that low for all of us. How high did Jesus go after that? The highest of the high, the highest of the highest. I kid you not, because Scripture tells us from verse 9 of Philippians, therefore, because he went that low, and he was willing to be made that low, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, the highest of the high, every name. And you read that passage, everything, all of heaven and on earth and even those under the earth, everyone, every tongue must confess that he is Lord. He is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. How low can we go? How low should we go? And sometimes we're like, oh Lord, I've already sacrificed so much, given so much. I've allowed people to say things of me, to step on me. How much lower can I go? Ask ourselves, how high do we want to go in the kingdom? How high do we want to go? And if we want to attain that highness in the kingdom, the greatness for the glory of Jesus, then we say, yes, Lord. Make us as low as we need to go so that you can take us as high as you want us to go. You see, entering the kingdom is not just being saved and come to church. We want to excel in the kingdom. And as we do that, the point number three is that we want to embrace others in the kingdom with the same attitude as Jesus did. 
Matthew chapter 18, verse 5. Whoever receives one little child like this, what is like this? With humility, with lowliness of heart and of mind. How do we do it? In His name. Now, whoever would do this would receive also Jesus. Receive Jesus, the Christ. I like this phrase, receive the Christ. Often we would think that it is just pointing to salvation. Have you received Jesus? Yes, great. Have I received Jesus? Yeah. But it's more than a point of salvation, as this one line would demonstrate to us, right? Because I can receive Jesus and be a believer, and yet if I do not receive others in His name, I do not receive Him. Does that surprise you? I kid you not, this is what the verse says. To receive Jesus, I need to receive others like me, little, this little child, in the same way, with the same attitude. That is what it means to receive Jesus, to be a child and a person of the kingdom. We are here to learn to practice humility with one another, to receive one another with that same attitude and with that same humility of lowliness and not to eyeball one another with pride. Romans chapter 12, verse 16, this is what Paul says, Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Not high things, but the low things. We are to receive and associate with the, the lowly, the needy, those on the fringe. This is a kingdom requirement, a kingdom trait. Jesus in Matthew chapter 25 spoke this parable about kingdom readiness, about the sheep and the goats. I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger. You took me in. I was naked. You clothed me. I was sick. You visited me. I was in prison. You came to me. And to those he said this to, they were like, when? When did we do this? And the king replied and said to them, inasmuch as you did to one of these, one of the least the least, remember, does it sound familiar? The humble, the lowly, the needy, the fringy, this, these little kids here, the least of these, of my brethren, you did this and you did it to me. See, the kingdom of God is not just in the big things, the glorious things and the high things and the, wow, the big bright lights. It's in these lowly things and the Lord wants us to always remember this, to practice this, to embrace these so that we can excel in the greatness of the kingdom. But what's our problem? What's our challenge? Our tendency is that we want to be associated with the high flyers, right? The big names. I want to say this to you and I want to remind myself, stop, stop clamoring for the big guys. Don't look for the big lights, the bright lights, the big names, the big positions, the big ministries per se. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with big ministries, but the Lord is saying, look, the kingdom of God is not just about these. We have to learn how to look out for the weak, the lowly, and the poor. Who are these in our ministries? Who are these in our communities of believers, in our churches, in those that we serve with? Don't even look out in the streets first. Is it not true that we are so ready to shun those and to ignore those and to exclude those that we don't get along with? 
And that's painful, right? Because that's our tendency. The Lord says, no, you've got to convert. Be like little kids. Just come together and play with one another. Be good friends again. Don't be like a kid that is rude and brash and say, I don't friend you already. That's not the way of the kingdom. Embrace others who may not be like us. And it will cause us to have to sacrifice, to bring us ourselves low, to be made low, so that we can work with one another. And I'm reminded that we must never get too high for another person. Let's hang out with one another. We, let's stay that same level of lowliness, of humility. Never get too high with each other. If I am the lowest, I can never look down at someone. I can only look up at those around me. Will you be that? Will you aspire to be that? That's my desire as I go through this teaching. I'm reminded I need to work at this. I need to be converted. I need to change. I need the Holy Spirit to help me. And I'm, I'm not going to kid myself. And I don't want you to kid yourself either. I want to know, and I want the Holy Spirit to search my heart. How do I fare in this kingdom trait? But to ask this question, how humble am I, is a very dangerous question for me even to address. Because the moment I think I'm humble in a certain area, I have already become proud. It is easier for me to ask, really, how prideful am I? How prideful am I? And the truth is, I still struggle with this. I struggle with my own pride, uh, my, my desire for position or prominence and prestige as much as I know I should not. It creeps in. Sometimes I'm unaware of it. And by the time I realize it, I'm just thankful the Lord makes me aware of it. And I need to change. I need to convert once again. And I need the Lord to help me. I kid you not. I really, really need help in this area. It's nice, I, I tell you, it's nice. When I got invited by a big church, by a big name pastor, right? I'm like, oh wow, I, I've made it to the big league now. Oh, God forbid when I do that. And sometimes when I share with others, I name drop. Help me, Lord, I, I don't like it. But before I can catch it, it comes out of my, my, my mouth. And it doesn't help when someone tells me and he, they listen to it and they go, wow, Hanson, you've made it into the big time. Uh, Nola, Nola, the Lord knows my heart. I've got to learn. I've got to learn all over again. I've got to consciously say, yes, Lord, I'm thankful for this, but help me. It's nice to receive the attention. It's nice to receive the accolades. Oh, you're a man of God. Um, oh, you've done so well. It's so easy for me to, to lap it all up and think, I'm better, I'm smarter, I'm, I'm more talented than others. Oh, I'm more deserving, right? If I'm not careful and I receive it in the wrong spirit, I, it's so easy for me to become critical and to become judgmental of others. I mean, look at me, I'm doing so well. There must be sin in your life, right? Uh, you must have got something wrong. Lord, help me in this. It creeps in so often. Archivist Awakening is about being awake and aligned and assigned. So, so tempting for me to say, I'm awake. You must be asleep, right? Oh, you terrible person. I'm aligned. You are misaligned. I'm assigned. What about you? Now, I mean well. I want to encourage you. And I pray that my life can be an example, not just of being awakened, aligned, and assigned, but also 
of being a little child or being lowly and humble in the correct way. I don't want to be just falsely modest in this way. If I don't knit my pride, I begin to justify my own actions or my own non-actions. Before I know it, I'm a hypocrite. And there's every possibility, if I'm not careful, someone can see it in me. It will stumble them. I will create offense. I will encourage them to commit the same error. My pride also can prevent me from approaching others for help or to learn more or to reconcile. My pride can prevent me from forgiving others or releasing others, thinking, I'm okay, okay, I'm beyond this, I'm above this, I'm fine, I don't let it affect me. No. Seven years of Archippus awakening, I'm thankful for the Lord, but the more successful we are, the more I have to be careful and be more aware of the danger of pride. It's so easy for me to think it's, it's due to me. I'm obedient, you see. It's my faithfulness. It's my boldness and my courage to preach this word. Oh, Lord, help me. Will you promise to pray for me? And will you promise also to be a good friend, to hold me accountable, to talk to me, to take me aside, so that together we can help each other remain humble and lowly before the Lord and with one another. What's my safeguard? What's your safeguard? I need to always remember it is by His grace. And that's why my favorite verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, Paul says, by the grace of God, by His grace, because of His grace, yet not I, yet not I. I can do these things, but it's not me. It's by His grace. Oh Lord, help me that I don't just use this verse just as a statement of, of false humility but truly, it is not I. No wonder the Lord gave me this character of Archippus, almost anonymous, a nobody, to remind me over and over again, you really must remember this. It's not about who you are. It is about who I am, the Lord says, that I've given this to you by grace, that I will do this through you by grace. And as you take one step in your weakness, it is my strength that will be shown perfect and it is my name that will be glorified. And in your lowliness, I will bring you to understand what kingdom highness and greatness is all about. And I thank God for these reminders. I thank you for brothers and sisters who journey with me. And the way I'm learning to be like Paul, to even celebrate the challenges, the thorns along the way to keep my pride in check. And so let me bring this to a close, my brothers and my sisters, kingdom kids, fellow children, fellow low people in our hearts and in our minds. There's nothing wrong to aspire to kingdom greatness. We just need to achieve it and reach it in kingdom ways. And every relational issue in the body of Christ and in the work of our assignments and ministries, I believe can be resolved. I kid you not. It can be removed even. I'm serious as Jesus was serious with the disciples. I kid you not. If we all exhibit and practice this kingdom trait of humility. Humility that allows us to enter the kingdom 
Humility that enables us to excel in the kingdom to greatness. Humility that enables us to embrace others the way Jesus did and the way Jesus would. So friends, as we close, remember this teaching because this will set the tone for us to explore the rest of this kingdom discourse in Matthew chapter 18. With humility, join me in the next teachings to examine relationships in the kingdom community, in the ecclesia, in the church. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word in this kingdom manual of the Gospel of Matthew. Thank you that has been recorded for us, the teachings of Jesus our King, as he issues this to his disciples. And today we, as the kingdom community, it would do us well to heed his word all over again and to hear it afresh by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we know we cannot achieve this on our own. So Lord, with lowliness of heart, we say, we need you not just to be saved, but to continue to be saved, that we can excel in the things of the kingdom, that we can show forth your greatness even as we aspire to the highness of this kingdom. But collectively, together, we pray and ask you to forgive us, Lord, because we know it's so easy for our heads to grow big too easily, Lord, too quickly, O oh Lord. Help us, Lord, so that we can help one another to stay lowly in heart and of mind, to be humble before you, before one another, that the world will see that the kingdom is upside down, that, Lord, we together can do this by your Holy Spirit to bring you glory and praise. And so I thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.